Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 6th of August, 2017. Now this talk blends in from last week, a continuation in a, in a sense of the same topic, basically depopulation under various guises, and population control, as I like to call it. But population control also means controlling people completely, not just by reducing the numbers. And we're going through all of that today under various guises, so many different guises you can't keep track of them. And also, you're seeing the big hype about, oh, well, it's not so much a hype, because it's not a, a serious thing, apparently, as the Western males become sterile. And they take this for granted, though, as a natural kind of thing. And, and the, but realities have said, the farmers who control us, the real farmers way above the people who, who own the farms of what they call countries and things like that. Believe you me, they know everything about their livestock. Everything. And if something happened that was out of their control to do with their livestock, they would spend all of the livestock's money to investigate as to why the livestock were becoming sterile. Which means they know completely what's happening, and it's meant to be that way. It really is that worked out so simply as that. You understand how history really works and what history can teach you. And you'll find in history that religion is probably the most powerful tool there is. Today, they don't call it that anymore, really. They, call, they disguise it under science. See, the old religions terrified people by threats of gloom, doom, apocryphal endings of the world, plagues, famines, disease, all the stuff you're hearing today, actually, from the scientists. But they also would take natural things, natural things. You've got to have a religion that actually goes in to human nature so that you can bond with it, natural things, which really start with something that's almost taboo today because of the depopulation agenda, which is family and children, man, woman, children. It's got a bad name today because those who, again, are the farmers who own the farms and, and the livestock on the planet decided a long time ago to start bringing us all down. And the best way to do it is to make sure that most folk don't bother getting married or don't produce children anymore. Or if they, if they can produce children, have them aborted instead. Give them the birth control pill and lots of other things too. And then 40 years later, you can blame that same nation or society for not producing enough children. And then you can bring in other cultures to help finish them off. That's all planned that way. Nothing happens by chance. You don't make massive blunders at the top. You don't employ thousands of scientists and all these people in academia that really sit and look at crystal balls, as far as I can see, when it comes to predicting the future. And a lot of hope, more hope and faith, actually, than most people who were into religion ever had. Because they've, they've, they've put everything on the big bets, basically, that all these catastrophes must happen. They're praying for it. These are scientists and professors. Because they'll all look rather foolish if it doesn't happen. And even when it's not, when their, their predictions aren't happening, they've got agencies, marketing agencies, to reverse the realities around and market the reverse reality to the public. It's quite fascinating. But in olden times, as I say, and you can see it too, with the calamities, plagues, as I say, it's a great thing because people didn't know what caused the plagues during the Middle Ages. And they thought it was sin. Strange. I mean, here's thousands of people dying off, whole communities dying off in towns and villages. And in those days, most folk didn't have very much at all because most were peasants. But here they are getting taught it was all their fault. For, for, for bringing on sin, which brought on the diseases. And the disease was a punishment from God. And people would try everything to save themselves, even the middle class type at that time. There really wasn't much of a middle class unless there were merchants. That's what you had. And a lot of them came into the countries. In the Middle Ages, people came in and out of countries quite freely. It, it, it wasn't like today where you'd have all kinds of ID and everything to prove who you are. 
uh, merchants especially, because merchants generally were also into money lending and in the Middle Ages, and also into merchandising. And uh, trade was a big, big thing for, for the economies even then. Big thing. But most of the peasants simply worked on the land, and most of their produce went to those who owned the land, the nobility, etc. And unfortunately, and this is true, uh, the, the religion at that time, and you can understand it, you can, I can understand the religion at that time, didn't know any better than the peasants as to what caused diseases, etc., and they themselves would, would put it down to God's anger or wrath or whatever. All these nasty things that could happen. But people in, in the towns or, or the cities, the early cities of that time, smaller cities of course, would throw all their money at all kinds of promises. Anybody who could promise them to save them, they would throw their money at them like you would not believe Today it's better with scientists doing it all, with terrifying you, because they're all, it's incredible how all these agencies that you hear of are all connected to the same group. All these conservation ideas and Friends of the Earth and WWF and all these, they're all connected to the one group, basically. Because, you see, those at the very top were into this a long, long time ago, this whole idea of culling down the populations. Where did they get it from? Well, they got it from basically their predecessors, their own family lineages. Royalty took the early kind of census of the peasants that they owned. Nobility did it for them too, uh, to work out how much they can get off them, off the peasants' work. And at times, they'd work out if uh, to do with how much extra they could take off of the peasants to sell. This, this is in crops and, or export abroad even. And sometimes they wanted more cash if they're in trouble and if they couldn't borrow extra money, then they, they would simply take more off the, the, the peasant stock's food because they needed food to, to survive for themselves and all the, the other workers who would work around these farms. These farms were very similar to the ones they had in Russia in the late 1900s, early 20th century, where you'd have one big kind of house or farmhouse, and people would sleep in it, all the workers would sleep in it, including the family who, in a sense, might have more ownership of the house simply because of how long they'd been there. The real owners, of course, were the, the nobility in England, for instance. But if the nobility wanted more of them, they'd actually come to a little, probably over dinner or something, they would decide to, to starve so many to death. They would know how many would die off, probably, because it would take more food off them to sell, to get more cash for themselves. That's what they would do with the peasants. And nothing really changes. Today, it's just taxed off you to, to sit for various other fake reasons as well. Many reasons. They're always coming up with more reasons to take taxes off you. And believe you me, for every dollar of tax they take from you to help whoever, just like charities, maybe 2% gets to the, the very... Why do you think it takes millions of dollars to put maybe half a dozen to, to a dozen students to work uh, in the summertime? So we live in a, a system, a very complex system, where the, where the victim, and that's you, is trained from birth to believe everything around you that you're told is real by authority figures, including all the private companies that are media companies that you think are somehow more, more authoritative than, than anybody else you know, because they sound like they are. And you're trained to be naive, basically, and always to believe them, because no one... Hitler said the same thing that many others have said long before him. He said, if you're going to tell a lie upon the people, like the general population, make sure it's a big one. Because the simple truth is, if everyone, every person out there, and even have books about this, because we're so studied, it's incredible, but everyone will tell little lies here and there. It's, but even if you, get in, if, you, if you meet someone in the street and they start digging to, to find out about you, it's a natural thing to hide a little about yours. Well, it used to be before they, they, they trained the people to put all their data up on their Facebook pages. But at one time, it was very important to have a little bit of privacy. So folk would tell little fibs just to get some peace and to get somebody off their back or whatever it happens to be. And it didn't hurt anybody because it's little white lies, as you say. Well, 
the thing is, if they if try to fool the whole population, then it has to be a real whopper to be believable, because the average person can understand the small lie. They understand that as being normal. But a big one they would never tell themselves uh, out of being utterly ridiculed and God knows what would happen to them if it came out. So therefore, they, 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 you tell a big lie. And today, you, you, you hear nothing but big, big lies. Oh, the world's going to end. Remember, a few, quite a few years back, actually, Prince Charles came out and said, oh, we've only got so many months left, the world's going to end. If we don't put all these programs through for, for basically... When they, make, when they say conservation, sustainability, make no mistake about it. No matter what green environment or whatever they put, in, put out up as their facade, they're talking about depopulation of the people on the planet, that's their primary goal. Always has been. And the whole environment thing was the latest thing that they jumped on uh, to use as a shield. Don't ever think you said anything else. But just like in the Middle Ages, and no doubt long before that too, you'll see old, old artwork to do with comets, for instance. And you see everybody, oh, the, the, the comets were portents from God, and often evil ones. Oh, evil portents of nasty things are going to happen. Signs and wonders in the heavens. And ancient priesthoods, including ones long pre-Christian, used these techniques to terrify the public, because they, they kept track of all the stars and the comets and so on that would, that would happen to pass them by. And they knew the times, very accurate too. Uh, all countries really had them, all, all major countries. India had them, observatories. We know in Latin America they had them. They had them in ancient, ancient Britain. And uh, it goes on and on and on across the whole planet. But the tremendous power that would give the, the priesthood of the day was, uh, was incredible. Literally, literally astronomical. Because you would say, if you don't give me all your, your cash, and a cash now, it could be anything, it could be... Give me all your wealth. And, and that day it could be your, your cattle or your sheep or whatever you happen to have extra. Then we're going to make sure that we're going to tell that sun not to get up tomorrow or to go to sleep again halfway through the day, like an eclipse. And you'd terrify the public. And you become awfully rich. So you kept power over people. And people you never told the people that it was simply because that previous generations have recorded this, and has, this is when it comes around so many years on the dot. But nothing changes. Even today, there's going to be an eclipse. They're going to see in certain U.S. states. And some of them, some people out there, are drumming it up again. They always do. Oh, it could be the end of the world. And, and I can understand that, too. I understand in those who follow the basic, the basic religions which which deal with right and wrong, then you're looking, you're always looking for justice in the world, but you'll never see it. It doesn't happen. Not like the movies. That's why they give you all these movies with justice. But you take a lot of, uh, there's even preachers out there too in the States, especially today, and it's quite understandable. They still want justice to be done on the world for all the nasty things they've seen going on. And they know you can't pick up newspapers without scandal after a scandal. But it's always been that way with those who seek power. And it's quite natural to, to expect a deity to, to be like you, the human. Because we, people tend to project into their God themselves. In all religions, and, and, and pre-Christians I say too, they project themselves into the deity. And the deity eventually, and, and the theology can get changed and warped around until you're pretty well worshipping something with human attributes. And apart from that, we have enough of those people uh, who are called stars today that will already worship themselves anyway. So they pretty well think they are gods. But anyway, so do so many of these people at the heads of the conservation societies and various professors, etc., that would never get a job if it wasn't for all this feigned crisis or the world's coming to an end, just like the religions. Remember what Plato said 
always remembered. Now, Plato, uh, uh, for those who don't know, and there's a lot of youngsters coming up who know all the different cartoons, etc., but they don't know who Plato is. Well, it's not some sort of building game that for children at all. It was a person, a philosopher. That In his writings, let us a lot of, of good philosophy based on history that had already happened a long, long time ago. And what he said, too, amongst many things, <laughs> was that you could get people to do anything that they had, had been encouraged for them to do in the past. For all the strange things that humans can, again, through religions or various other things, other reasons, people had been coerced or threatened or encouraged into doing certain things or behaving in certain ways, etc., you could get them to do it again if if it had been done anything that had been done in the past. You could get them to do it again if you knew the formula, and if you knew the formula of introduction step by step, it would work out successfully the same way as it had before. And that's why you're seeing nothing but gloom and doom, catastrophe. We're going to be fried to death with uh, a planet uh, that's that's just going to. F- frizzle up with heat, supposedly. Even though all the climate models, the computer models, which are never right, by the way, that doesn't matter either, because facts don't matter when there's a big agenda at work. And a lot of paychecks, too. But when they don't even consider the sun, the effect of the sun on the planet, or, or the warmth, etc. Isn't that amazing? When you see that happening, you know the whole darn thing is a con. And it is a con, because... Many years ago, even before World War Two, even before World War One, in fact, you had groups of people and agencies, again affiliated with these strange groups that, that seem, initially, when you first look at them, you think they've just got benefactors, like the Astor family that, that funded the Fabian Society. But the Fabian Society was simply the left-wing arm created by the very rich folk who already ruled Britain, including monarchy. Why wait for something to happen? For instance, I've always said this, why wait for a grassroots movement to start up by itself when you can do it for them, and that way it's always yours, you can control it. It's not rocket science. You can, see, you can always see where the tide's going and create the movement in advance, give them leaders, and that's been done recently awfully well. And you can divert whole, a whole, you know, thousands of folk, if not millions, and going off in a different direction. So, when you look back, as I say, ancient times, well, that's what they used, terrify the people. And when you, when you don't have just the comets and, and scary scenarios to, to put through them, you create scary scenarios. Oh, global warming, we're going to fry to death. Oh, we're going to freeze to death. Remember, the same characters that brought you the fried egg planet, also brought you, the, you know, the Ice Cube planet long before that, too, in the 60s. And they, they put all their projections with their scientists, giving you all their graphs, the usual stuff, all that rubbish, and telling you in a very authoritative way that we're going to, going to go into an ice age. And it didn't pan out that way because nature didn't cooperate. But it didn't stop the same groups because they just changed their names to an extent. And the same characters, the same characters that turned out all these uh, the freezing uh, temperature books uh, suddenly come back to the fried egg theory. And here we are again. Anything will do to control the public, because the public must be taught to go into austerity, post-industrialism, and depopulation, and have government control your lives from birth to death. It's astonishing, really, that folk get caught up. Again, remember again the big lie? If you tell a small one, people won't believe it. Tell a real, a real whopper. And they'll say, well, I'd never tell such a massive lie as that. Well, that's how they get away with it, because they do tell you massive lies. But they can bring all the different scientists on board that, that, that were almost a stage from sweeping the streets if they would get a job uh, the week or two before it. And suddenly they're getting big fat grants, enticing them to go along with the, the nonsense. And don't think for a second that science is somehow some straight shooter thing that only goes by facts. That's again the Hollywood version. Everything is politicized. Everything is politicized. Everything. 
and folk tend to go along in the direction of give them more butter on their bread. That's the way they go. I've read before about the articles from surveys that were done on all these little factoid nonsensical stories that come out. They're churned out like a machine every year. Really astonishing how fast they come out. To do with uh, medical health uh, sciences and so on, have found that, blah, blah, blah. And away they go with all their stuff. And, but then they always do the follow-ups and the follow-ups and the tests to find out if it's still the same. And, and they find out generally most of them are nonsensical and didn't work at all. Whatever it happened to be, didn't work. Or they give you formulas for something and, and comparative studies uh, that were done afterwards don't, don't, can't get the same results. So the, the initial study is bogus or false or, or faulty at least. But it doesn't stop them getting churned out all the time because big pharma companies love to sell products and and uh, things like that, and everyone wants to get on the bandwagon. Big magazines like to, to, to get the advertising from the pharma company, so they, they'll put the stuff out too. And there's stacks and stacks and stacks of people with uh, all the gold trim around their names, you might say, with the letters, who are just waiting to be offered big money to put their name on different papers for whatever it happens to be that they want to be heard and said. That's the truth of humanity. That's how it really is. Meanwhile, you have people today who are very, very wealthy. If you notice how, how old they've become, they want, and well-known, who, who are going well in their 90s, some of them. And, and they're, they're not crippled for the last 20 years or whatever it happens to be. Which makes you ask a lot of questions. What kind of medical treatment do these people get? This is too many of them, too many of them. And believe you me, you're not going to get that kind of treatment because I've gone through the different uh, articles that have come out, and, and including uh, putting out stacks of PDFs over the years to do with health from various countries and the conclusions they come to, which is generally, oh, due to unsustainability, etc., etc., then uh, and the, the financial burdens, etc., then you're going to get put down if you end up in hospital with a little star next to your name. Well, what she'll say that either you, you get resuscitated or, or you won't get resuscitated, depending on your status in the community, your need of society for you to have you around, etc., etc. That's been there for years. And that's the reality of it. You're just nothing but so many dollars and cents and the big boys that know the farmers at the very, very top that love to take the cream off the, the off, or the crop of, of taxes that come in, then they, they want to, to basically make as much profit as possible. And they're, they're simply not going to give you treatments, which they certainly could give you in a really good society. In Switzerland, by the way, regardless of the age of the, of the patient that ends up in the hospital or, or even treatment outside the hospital, there's no such, uh, they don't have that kind of uh, tiered system of uh, age being against you, meaning they're, they're not going to give you the treatment. They do give you the treatment, the same treatment as you give someone a lot younger. And the same with the status and essential existence, basically, for, for, for the system. And there was, do they need you or not? They don't have that. You pay the same fees for all the same insurance and you get the top treatment. But not in the West, because we're, we're, we're oh, well, there's many reasons why it's such an incredibly greedy society. And, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, the whole system is utterly corrupt with greed. And that's really one part of it, too. But, as I say, at the very top, you have the real farmers who own us all and who come up with all the, the fad ideas. And they pay, they own all the foundations, all the private foundations, multi-trillion dollar foundations. They're tax-free, they pay nothing. And they, they, do, they are allowed to have investments, by the way. And they have armies and armies of, and armies of non-governmental organizations under their umbrella. The top members who lead all, the people who follow, you know, the, the, the people who, who lead them at the top are paid ma- very handsome salaries and pensions and all the rest of it. But, uh, and also you have all the think tanks that work for them too. And I've, got, I've done so many talks in the past about the different organizations, but they all go back. They all go back to the main, the main one that started it all, and it was based. It didn't mean it came literally. It was, was was it was English, but it was based in London, and it created an empire, 
and it basically handed that empire over to an extent, although Kipling uh, would probably say he it blended together with uh, the U.S., which took over handling the world's affairs for it. But they still call it a commonwealth of nations, and it was to be the embryo, the built-in uh, block, basically, to build a world society, a world governmental system upon. And remember, too, a lot of folk go along with it because it sounds awfully nice in a, in a nice Disneyland world. It would, be a, it would be a nice thing, wouldn't it? We're all happy and we've got real honest, honest people who really care about us all. Just, just, just can't do enough to help us all. And, but, but come on, get real here. Get real. The world is not Disneyland. It really is not. It's rather terrifying. When you see the documentation that, that has been put out by the groups at the top, with all their fronts, incredible fronts, and myriad of organizations going back into the 1800s, some of them, still up and running today, uh, running our, our so-called uh, sustainability plan for the future and the depopulation agenda, which is massive, and the sterility agenda too, which is incredibly huge, because it's not happening by itself. And if it really threatened all their cattle all at once, believe you me, these big farmers would be right in there rectifying the problem, but they're not because it's planned that way. That's why there's no panic. And women are also coming down with incredible cancers now to do with the endocrine system. Same with the males. And we're taught, well, you just have to accept it. It's just modern living. And it's because you've got all these different thalates in your system and blah, 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 blah. And I'm sure there's more to it than that, too. Because I really, really, personally, it's my own opinion that there's more to it than that. That you've got to say, well, what happened? When did this change really, really start? Because it's like an detective story. That's, that's what medicine's about. You get signs and symptoms, and you get the history about when it was it first seen, how fast did it spread, you might say, or, 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 more, or more victims came down with blah, blah, blah. And were the, were the symptoms the same? What does these symptoms, uh, symptoms off? What, what part of, this, of the body does it affect? It's not rocket science. It really isn't rocket science at all. And it all started really in the 50s with a massive introduction of a national health service system in Britain, for instance, and elsewhere, with inoculations galore. And then the food system changed with incredible pesticides and herbicides used, all byproducts from the chemical industries that supplied the war industry. As I said last week too, this incredible push towards food being wrapped in plastic and drinks being wrapped in plastic, uh, guaranteed to leach into the, the fluid, for no doubt about it, all the phthalates, etc. And it isn't just bisphenol A, there's others too. Uh, they know exactly what it does to people, and that's why they made it such an incredible fad. And also that's why, especially with children who have the, the sugar addiction, uh, who drink constantly from pop bottles, that uh, they put them in plastic as well. Now remember too, that the big leaders, the CEOs of corporations, are all in on the act. The corporate boys and, and girls today are completely on board with sustainability, meaning depopulation, bringing the world into austerity, which means giving you less in the ways of energy, all kinds of energy, and charging you far, far more from the little they're going to give you for it. So they lose nothing, they get more for, for giving you less. It's a great idea for them. And also that Carl Quigley, who, again, amongst other things, he was in the Council of Foreign Relations as their historian for years, and he had access to their archives, and he talked about the fact that the, the new system they're bringing in, this world order, and he was all for it, being a professor and all that, for managing the world's population, individually too, by the scientists. They'd all rule you from birth to death. That's what he was all for. And that's what they're all all for, by the way. And you'll find all the, your top writers and your journalists and all the magnets, all, all the newspapers, etc., are members of the same organization, which is just a branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And have branches across the whole planet running 
the show. Anything that matters in life, they run it. Professors are members of it, of all kinds of professors. The environmentalist guys are members of it. Everybody uh, is a member of it, except you, if you're a peasant. And that's what runs your lives. But, uh, as quickly said, the, the New World Order will have the CEOs as the new feudal overlords, because it's a new feudal system. In a world which is post-industrial, and you're not supposed to have any industry left in your country pretty well. It's pretty well there, isn't it? It's not by chance, either. Uh, limits to growth, that's what they had in the book Limits to Growth, again, a Club of Rome special, pushed out there by the big, the same organisations, actually, that, that manage so much of your mindset today. I mean, Limits to Growth also went hand-in-hand hand with uh, the population bomb, Paul Ehrlich, and it shouldn't surprise you that one of the board members of the Club of Rome was Paul Ehrlich's wife. They're, they're all connected, these people, and the organizations they belong to are completely intertwined, completely intertwined, all with the same objective and using as any excuse they can to control you completely. And you can go back to many organizations, but you can also go right up to the, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, which again has got a charter to exist as a private organization. But it's got a royal charter to exist, and, and you'll find when it comes to the Royal Wildlife Fund and the Sierra Club and all these other organizations and the Friends of the Earth, and etc., 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 they're all part, come under uh, royal tutelage, you might say. And Prince Philip, of course, is heavily involved in this whole agenda, and he's always making big gaffes openly about reducing the population by drastic means, etc. Now, let's just jump back for a little bit here, too, because you say, well, if we're going all sterile, etc., in the West, what's your problem? Well, it's not enough for these characters. You see, you understand, they don't see themselves as belonging to the people they rule over. And they see themselves as a world elite, a natural world elite, uh, a super elite, you might say. They've always had that idea about themselves. And they have this big, big plan of ruling the world into many generations to come, a complete planet. Therefore, you see the, the big oil companies, again, all on board for sustainability. You'd think, well, they'd be cutting their own throats. They have other plans for the future. They really do. And it's not so much the shareholders, it's the CEOs that have the, the important jobs. They're in on the big act. And they'll go on, and their children will go on, in a different category uh, than, than even their own predecessors will, will have been in, probably. That's how you, you work it. The ones at the top don't even eat the same stuff we eat. The stuff they eat in vegetable format uh, hasn't seen the rain from the sky, which is totally polluted with the geoengineering that's been going on for years. And it's not a, a conspiracy theory, it's a fact. And for those, the best way to prove a fact is to observe it yourself. If you haven't been bothered to observe it at all, you won't have the fact. But for those of us who have seen it from the beginning, back in about 1998, and since on a continuous basis, we know darn well they've been doing it, regardless of their disinformation campaigns of saying, we're just going to start little tests now, and all that nonsense. That's how, you, you, that's how they do it, eh? to try and get people to doubt themselves. Well, they haven't started, they've been thinking about doing They've been doing it all along. And with it comes the fact that they've already changed the weather dramatically. They admit that too, that if they ever did start geoengineering, if they suddenly stopped it, it, would, it could have, have chaotic effects on the planet as it tried to return to normal. It might take years to try to return to normal. Well, how would they know that? Well, they know it because they've already done it. <laughs> they've already done the geoengineering, and then and the process has created chaos wherever. And that's how they've done it all. But they can use the chaos and say, well, it's because of all of you and global warming and because of the fact that you're, you're eating and you're buying things that are manufactured. It's all your fault. It's all these things. You see, sustainability encompasses all these things. You're eating the elite's future up here, and not just in food, but in all other kinds of resources as well. It's all your fault, and you're going to pay for it dearly, they say. 
That's the reality of the world. And you've got to understand and get back to the Middle Ages when the elite looked to the peasants and were quite open about it. They looked upon the peasants as a form of animal, a lower animal. Well, I'm telling you something, nothing has changed. And you've got many of their helpers today, the white-coated priests. They call themselves scientists and professors, etc. And specialists and environmentalists, like some kind of religion, which actually it is. And Gorbachev said that they would create a form of religion for sustainability, etc. And earth worship. And that's what they've trained the children at school. They always go for the children at school. And by the time these children are 18 or 20, everything that happens in the agenda they think is quite normal. Because they believe it all. Why, why shouldn't they believe it? They've been trained in this nonsense since the age of about four or five. Old trick. Always works. And they can just wait until the older folk die off, and that's that problem out of the way. You've got nothing left, but they're totally brainwashed. And for anything that's going to be more radical than that, they start out again with another batch at school uh, and give them an even more radicalised format as to what they're going to have to accept is quite normal. And they will. They will. Mm-hmm. Now, tonight I'm going to put up some links to do with this, this current fad, which they, they jumped right in on. Good idea, actually. Of, of rather, because you see, they want to really move vast populations across the world, big time. I can remember reading about this in the 70s, what was to come. But massive migrationary shifts. And at that time, there were different reasons for it. But now they're using uh, simply, oh, they're climate refugees. Yep. Refuge. Oh, it might be a climate refugee, because it's getting darn cold here in the winters now, I'm telling you. And the winters are lasting a lot longer. Yeah, I wouldn't mind some heat. Where's mine? If I'm going to pay all these carbon taxes and global warming taxes, I want something my fair share of global warming. Darn right. But anyway, getting back to what I'm saying here, I'll put some links up. Uh, they can see about this climate refugee strategy. And again, I've got Mr. Axworthy of Canada, top member of the Council on Foreign Relations his whole life, I think. And uh, he was instrumental too And uh, the drafting up of the whole agreements For basically merging the Americas into one system Just like the European Union They never stop They're in it for life, these guys And they're well rewarded, mind you Well rewarded for all And it's not for the public to know the truth about anything Because you're simple peasants And that's how they really see you That is the truth of it That's That's exactly how they see you they could never get their agenda through any part of their agenda. All those years that they've been at it, if they let the public know what was really, really, really going on. Let's be honest. Would you volunteer to go and you know jump off a cliff and help depopulate the planet? Would you? Of course you wouldn't. Therefore, they bring it in and simply don't tell you. H.G. Wells, as I've said before, wrote about the need to depopulate before World War One. And one of the, the, the benefits out of the whole World War I era that he thought would be a global government. And that's why. And he praised the League of Nations. He said, for the first time, the bureaucrats of all countries can bypass their own countries, governments, and go straight to a central authority for global planning. That was their big agenda. And then they merged it into United Nations. But H.G. Wells also said, well, the people haven't given up their sovereignty entirely after the big Paris Agreement in 1919. And he says, well, we need another world war to bring them to their knees. And also he thought it would be great for depopulation. Well, they had a meeting after World War Two. Quite, quite close after World War Two ended. And again, the king of England uh, was at the head of it. And that was a population reduction plan they came out with. It was a worldwide meeting. And then the war hadn't killed enough folk off as far as they were concerned, and enough people getting killed off worldwide. Never mind the folk who were struggling to survive after being through years of wars, World War I and II, and rationing pretty well right through the whole darn lot. Because you don't just simply recover from rationing. Folk were rationed during World War I. 
and they're sending so much food abroad, etc., for armies, and so on and so on. And then along comes World War Two, and let's be honest, they had a Great Depression on the way too, from World War One all the way to, for, for in Britain at least, to World War Two. And then you went straight into rationing, big time, including you, you, it's like you're coming out of depression. You had, well, actually you never came out of it, never got a chance to come out of it. And then rationing didn't end till the, till the 19, early 50s. And even meat was much more uh, later to get good rations of meat. And you, you wonder why they brought in the National Health Service in the 50s. It was to study the effects, partly study the effects of malnutrition, for those who don't quite know. Because the farmers at the top really did want to know about the livestock at the bottom. And out of that too, they could find out ways of, you know, bringing down the population, you know. Little t- tweak this and tweak that uh, and, and t- take certain things out of the diet, for instance. You, you, find, you start to find out how to bring down the population. But again, they never stopped experimenting. And when they brought in the National Health Service in Britain, for instance, they had rickets and, and so many of the working class school children. It wasn't uncommon to see them walking around with braces on their legs, etc. And it was rickets, though. And every child had to get the, the little one-third of a pint, I think it was, free, free milk program at school every day to try to offset it. So folk have no idea how, how devastating, never mind the loss of life for World War Two, never mind World War I, and then rationing on top of it as well, what the people had been through. And then they're having a meeting, a global meeting held in London, about, well, there's not enough folk died Oh, there's going to be. And this nonsense of population bomb. Do you think folk never bred children up until then? What's this rubbish? Or, oh, there'll be so many elderly folk by the year so-and-so. Well, wait a minute here. Like, folk never got old before? Just think logically here. And you can shoot holes through everything everything that they've trained you to, to just accept as some kind of strange fact. Because you don't think about things through. You accept the, the little slogans that they put out there. Population bomb. And boomers, baby boomers. What's a baby boomer? I guess all the folk that were sent off to World War One and Two before that meeting. I guess they, they all just got born as adults, eh? Because they never had babies before that, apparently. Yeah. But this is the rubbish that you're fed and indoctrinated with because you are the ones, as you get older, that it's going to take the brunt of it all because they've already planned to take away your health care or at least how much care they're going to give you and things like that. <laughs> it's all gold. And there's, there's nothing out there that isn't worked out to the minutest detail with so many think tanks. It's just amazing. But is it really amazing? When they've got all the money in the world to take off of you, to pay for all these things, it's quite easy, actually, in reality. So back to these uh, so-called, the, the latest con, as climate refugees. It's coming from all over the world, eh? Uh, so, uh, and, and the same here, too, the, nor- the northern hemisphere is going to get a lot more of them, because that's the target, right? <laughs> but meanwhile, in the northern hemisphere, like where I am here, they're going to ban you from heating yourself by the traditional methods, which is the only way really to survive in, in, in this country and climate and e- economic system, because you won't be able to afford any other way. But the agenda is, too, to get you off the land and into these crowded cities. That's always been the agenda. I can remember back in the 70s, there's a guy, he was associated with NASA, but he was to do with, again, population control councils and things like that. And he, he said, look at this, he says, look, the, look at all the, and he's looking at some satellite imagery, and he says, look at this, he says, the, the, this is so untidy, he says. This was urban, sprawl, sprawl. They always use negative terms when they want you to feel it's a bad thing. It's like saying, you know, this person beats his children up or something like that. Sprawl. Oh, no one likes someone sprawling all over the place, untidy. So it's urban sprawl. And he'd, he'd rather have you all living in little square boxes, tiny little square boxes and little square areas in, in, in some place. And that, that's how they are. And remember, too, this character worked for the elite of the world. Not for this fake democracy, whatever that means, that you're in and you're all equal, ha, ha, ha. (laughs) It's, It's really quite funny, isn't it?
last night I rewatched an old movie. It's one of the, the different versions. I like different versions of this. They come off books like Brave New World, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. And this is the one where they had Leonard Nimoy in it. It's good to watch them all, different versions, because they take different aspects, or they'll add certain aspects from the books that are ones I've missed and so on. But in it, you'll see this perfect world where everybody is taught to be as promiscuous as possible, but no one has any children, because children come out of genetic engineering and they're made in laboratories, the ones that they need that is, including the distribution of, of labor. Because they, they, they breed them alpha, beta, and, and they get down to the, to the deltas. It's quite interesting to see how so much in the movie, again, apart from being taken from the book, written in the 1930s, remember, so much of it is actually here today. Massive promiscuity, have fun, 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 living in this big, big city, all the electronic gadgets, etc., for them, keeping them happy, and the whole thing is pleasure. And uh, death itself is something to be celebrated. Uh, and so that's how they train the children. They make sure the children actually have daily walks, basically, in these, these hospitals and mortuaries and celebrate the people dying that have had their, their full lives. That's the whole idea of it. And uh, there's no male, there's no, there's no marriage. It's laughed at, marriage is laughed at. And when the primitive from outside the area comes in with the old ideas, they all laugh at them and think it's kind of quaint, but, but it's just so very, so silly. This whole idea of having something called a mother and a father, it was a dirty thing to say. Like, like a really disgusting thing to say. You had a mother and a father. Well, so much of that's here already, isn't it? And again, don't forget, Aldous Huxley, he, he wrote that in about 1933 or so, around about that era. But again, back to, to what's happening. They're using all the con games, like urban sprawl. Now you're into, oh, you're all sprawled out in the countryside. We don't need you there anymore because big corporate farms, corporate farms, massive things are going to run in all the foods industries. Already are, actually. There's a lot of small ones here and there that can hardly make it. And that's how the agenda works out. It's been planned long, long, long ago. Long ago. And most folk don't get it. And any excuse will do. So if they can't just bring in mass immigration, if there's any backlash at all, or, or anybody gets disgruntled, especially in a post, almost a post-work era, not just post-industrial, there's hardly any work left for a lot of folk. Uh, it's, it's certainly there's not enough work to give them the kind of income to even pay their necessities for a lot of folk, two or three jobs, part-timers on the go, and to get worse and worse. We're told this is normal now. It's planned that way because all your industry is out of the country thanks to your big planners at the top, the farmers, who made sure it was all taken away from you and giving the service economy something that was planned way back as in the 20s, 1920s, 30s, 40s, and, and followed up right through to the present time. You're living through a script, as I say, and most folk don't even know it. Another one to get back to as well. I mean, Al Gore came out. Everything's all coordinated. We're all working together. Al Gore, you know, the con man himself, who got his whole idea of CO2 and leading to warming from a professor at university that he had when he was young. And this same professor, if you look into it, eventually reneged on the whole theory that he'd come up with when he found out it was all wrong, but didn't change Al Gore's plans for his, his, his boys and his masters, the, the masters above him, because he's in on the big act as well, of course. But anyway, it says, Al Gore is schooled by mayor of an eroding island. Remember, Al Gore came out with an inconvenient spoof, and he's done his part too. This says here that Mayor James Eskridge of Tangier Island, Virginia, was one of the lucky audience members that got to ask Gore a question. Recently, this is August the second, two thousand seventeen. One Gore was not prepared to answer, and here's what uh, Eskridge had to say. He says, "I'm a commercial crabber. He he, he sets out uh, the creels and so on, gets, gets crabs in. I've been working the Chesapeake Bay for fifty plus years, and I have a crab house business out on the water. And water level is the same as, as it was when the place was built in nineteen seventy. It's not gone up." They're done. I'm not a scientist, but I'm a keen observer. And if sea level rise is occurring, why am I seeing no signs of it? Our island is disappearing. But it's because of erosion. It's, it's not a high island. It's erosion and not because of sea level rising. 
And then he says, unless we get a seawall, we'll, we'll lose our island. But back to the question, why am I not seeing signs of the sea level rising? It won't change anything because facts don't matter. Because the big boys go by their climate models. We can feed all kind of nonsense into and get a little nonsense back. And then you get a lot of people to further modify the nonsense by giving you nonsense out of what they pretend that they see from it. That's one of the many things that are happening. I mean, there's, there's folk who work in it. There's also other scientists who measure this stuff across the whole planet, real measurements, and they're not seeing any rise at all. But it doesn't change the lies. It doesn't change the lies. Oh, we're all going to drown and all that nonsense. Ay, ay. And then another one, too. Australia Weather Bureau is caught tampering with climate numbers. Australian scientists at Bureau of Meteorology, BOM, ordered a review of temperature recording instruments after the government agency was caught tampering with temperature logs in several locations. This happens all over the planet, the economy. The agency officials admit that the problem with instruments recording low temperatures likely happened in several locations throughout Australia, but they refused to admit to manipulating temperature readings. The BOM located missing logs in Goulburn and the Snow Mountains, both of which are in New South Wales. Meteorologist Lance Pigeon watched the 13-degree Fahrenheit Gilburn recordings from July the 2nd disappear from the Bureau's website. Bing, gone down the memory hole. The temperature readings uh, fluctuated briefly and then disappeared from the government's website. <laughs> the temperatures dropped to minus 10, that's 13 degrees Fahrenheit, stayed there for some time and then it changed to minus 10.4 which is 14 degrees Fahrenheit, and then it disappeared, Pigeon said, adding that he notified scientist Jennifer Morahese about the problem, who then brought the readings to the attention of the Bureau. It later restored the original 13 degrees Fahrenheit reading after a brief question and answer session with Morahese. And it goes on too, it's, quite, it's not a bad article too. If left-wing scientists felt the need to tamper with climate data, doesn't that mean the real data doesn't fit their narrative? It doesn't really matter, facts don't matter anymore, when, as I say, when there's a massive, massive agenda. You understand this, the scope of this, it's massive, it's huge, and they're not going to give up because you get the facts to the contrary, when they have no facts at all. And then $127 million climate supercomputer is no better than using a piece of paper. The new study using expensive climates to predict the risk of record-breaking rainfall in southeast England is no better than using a piece of paper, according to critics. The Met Office's model-based rainfall forecasts have not stood up to empirical tests, that's real tests, and don't seem to give better advice than observational records, Dr. David Whitehouse argued in a video put together by the Global Warming Policy Forum. White House, a former BBC science editor, criticised the Met Office study that claimed a one in three of parts of England and Wales see record rainfall each winter, largely due to man-made climate change. This is all your fault. This is, this, this is the con. Using its $127 million supercomputer, the Met Office found in southeast England there's a 7% chance of exceeding the current rainfall record in at least one month at any given winter, and a 34% chance of breaking a regional record somewhere each winter when other parts of Britain were considered. They said, yeah, they, they could do better predictions just by using a piece of paper and working out uh, the data that they have already. But again, facts don't matter. There's, there's a lot of folk making up a lot of money. Mind you, too, with all this nonsense you see about folk, and, and it's, they want, the big boys want to get a lot of folk off different lovely Pacific islands. And the big billionaires, if you've noticed, are grabbing them up. Isn't that rather odd, the big grabbing up islands? For nothing, almost. Eh? As, the, as the folk are petrified and <laughs> terrified and they fleeing for their lives when nothing's actually happening to them. <laughs> It's a great con, I'm telling you. But the world's we're run on cons, aren't we? Never mind the one, all the billionaires that went off to Hawaii as well, mind you, as they're going to make you all live together in your overcrowded cities and all this dystopian movies you've watched over the many, many, many years showing you you're living in rubble and ruin and poverty going down the tubes. But these billionaires plan to live in these tropical places. They're not worried about the heat, are they, in these tropical places? It's strange, that, isn't it? Since all these billionaires are all part, generally, of the environmental push towards uh, depopulation and it's all your fault of man-made global warming, etc. Isn't that rather odd? Don't you think so? <laughs> not really, eh? <laughs> and then... Priced out of Paradise Mainland, foreign buyers snapping up Hawaii. And that's from different sources, too.
I'm also going to put up the disappearing mail, the video documentary by the CBC that go with the other one I put up uh, last week, that other documentary about something similar. I'll put up some links, for instance, to, to the limits to growth to show you all the, the double speak again with the, the usual suspects involved. It's always the same characters you'll find with the, the churn out all these books about terrifying you, you know, the Club of Rome and so on, etc. And that's their job is to terrify the people. Also, too, I want to put up a, an article how McKinsey, McKinsey is a big public relations company, you know, propaganda company, advertising company, quietly shaped Europe's response to the refugee crisis that suddenly came out of nowhere, you see. It says here, it was October 2015, with winter approaching, no end in sight to flow of migrants seeking refuge from the Syrian civil war. Germany needed a solution fast. Processing centers for refugees had exceeded capacity. Asylum claims were backlogged. Temporary tent cities would not survive the punishing winter months. So Germany did what governments increasingly do when facing apparently unmanageable problems. It called in, and it sourced out, in other words, in multinational management consulting firms, including New York-based giant McKinsey & Company, to streamline its asylum procedures. Germany paid McKinsey 29.3 million euros, the equivalent of nearly $34 million, for work with the Federal Migration Office that began in October 2015 and continues to this day. The office also brought in two Europe-based firms, Roland Berger and Ernst & Young. Amongst McKinsey's projects has been the development of fast-track arrival centres with the capacity to process claims within days. Now, that's impossible, especially when most of them come with no idea or anything at all, etc. So, so it's all part of the con game, as you well know, because there's a big, big agenda afoot. And as, again, people become sterilised and die off of cancers, all kinds, male and female in the West, the same characters that are shouting there's too many people on the planet are bringing lots more folk in to replace them. Way more than the current capacity of those countries, by the way. At least that's the agenda when you read into it. It is quite interesting. I've got old stuff here from, from the Korean government, for instance, that projected that the total carrying capacity of Canada should never exceed 22 million. This goes back to, the, this is the early 1900s, 1920 or so. And believe me, Britain was a lot less. But it's surprising that island of Britain doesn't go on, uh, under the water with the amount of people it's carrying right now and more and more coming in all the time. So you can't please your masters, in other words, because it's a different agenda, this afoot. If it was logical, it would be logical. It's not meant to be logical. They can't have it both ways. There's not enough of you. And at the same time, there's too many of you. You can't have it both ways. Double speak. When you have that, you've got a con game going on. And there certainly is a con game. But the global elite and all their, their massive armies of paid employees that work in the think tanks and work in universities to brainwash the rest. And are awfully well paid for it in all the Met offices and so on to fudge figures and pretend this religion is all up above board. It's really amazing. Yeah, they can get what they want because it's quite easy to brainwash whole populations who are all getting the same media and the same news and they've all been brainwashed in the same education system. That's why they're always doing studies on certain topics and they have the age groups broken down from 10-year-olds, 15, 20, 25, 30 and 40 to 50-year-olds on the same topics to see how the brainwashing, the, the most recent brainwashing through sc school, for instance, gives them a different outcome with the answers to questions on certain topics compared to the ones at 40 and 50. That's how, uh, they know how we tweak things into. I'll put up a bunch of links for you to, to look up. And it's good to keep these, these articles because they will go down the memory hole. Lots of them already have gone down through the memory hole, by the way, over the years. It's not just the Met Office that makes things disappear. But you'll find it's with everything. That's why George Orwell had that in his 1984 book. And he was a great pal too, Wolf Aldous Huxley. And they corresponded about the type of system that would rule the world. And it's pretty well here. Fun, fun, fun. Your betters, the Alpha Group, will manage your lives for you. And you will be created to, for the task that you have to, 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 to accomplish. Otherwise, you won't be born at all. It's pretty well here, isn't it? And if everybody fighting everybody else on, on so many ridiculous little areas to destroy what was the one thing that was that gave you solidity and gave you something in common with everybody else in your own country at one time, and that was marriage and children. Had to be destroyed, didn't it? So Brave New World is certainly here.
at least a lot of it already is. From myself, Alan Watt, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your gods go with you.